the Lounge. It's your boy Brad Starks. Thanks for joining me tonight. It is full-blown rookie season. The last time you heard from me, I was discussing my wide receiver model and the new bust metric. I'll get into that more in this episode. If you haven't had your rookie draft, you're in luck because I'm going to be talking about what I think are the best decisions to make in our rookie drafts. If you've already had your rookie draft, this episode might be a bit too late, but if you want to listen to what I have to say, feel free to stick around in the lounge, grab yourself a drink. I'm going to grab mine, and I'll meet you back here on the flip side. All right, welcome back. Uh, Tonight I'm going to be popping this Jack Daniels 10-year-old Tennessee whiskey. If you do like my, my bourbon content, check out my new YouTube channel. It's called The Bourbon Lounge, where I review uh, bourbon whiskey and, and rye whiskeys, and, and I'm trying to get that uh, up and running. And I have a Jack Daniels 10-year review that's going to be uploaded soon, so check that out, The Bourbon Lounge. Also, I have The Roto Lounge YouTube, which I want to add more video content for fantasy football. But we're going to get into this podcast, the rookies this year, what I think, what the model thinks, and we'll go from there. So let's pop this. Hope you're enjoying something nice tonight. Let's turn on some jazz music, shall we? And talk about these rookies. So first of all, shout out to the Patreons. Love my Patreon community. If you're interested in being a patron, go to patreon.com slash rotolounge. We've been talking about rookies for five months now. On the Patreon channel, I pull up all 22 film. I break it down. We talk about off the field issues. We talk about production. We talk about everything we can about these prospects. Rookie draft season is here. I've been helping the patrons in their in their fantasy drafts. And I'll do the same for you if you feel like you need some type of assistance or some type of uh, way to improve your process. Check us out. Check out the Roto Lounge Patreon page. But we're going to get into these rookies because most of their drafts are done. And we're going to talk about what I think of this rookie class. So let's get started. First of all, this rookie class is a decent rookie class, but from my research, the 2023 class is going to be a bit better. A little stronger on the running backs. There's probably going to be, as of now, if the draft was now, there'd be four first-round running backs in our rookie drafts, two quarterbacks, the rest wide receivers, and at least one tight end in Michael Mayer. That definitely trumps this year's class. So I advised all my patrons to try to recoup as many 2023 picks as you can. When I go into NFL or or when I go into these rookie drafts, what I like to do is I like to have a blueprint. I like to have a plan of the players that I want. I don't want to just go into a draft. When I'm on the clock, I'm going to go off a cheat sheet, decide who I'm going to pick because most times a surprise is going to happen and you're going to be left scrambling. What do I do? What do I do between these two players? You want to have as much information as you can before your fantasy draft starts so that you can be prepared to either move back, try to move up, grab your player, but you don't want to just grab players to grab players. Identify who you want if your player's not there or you feel like you can trade down and add more picks. You definitely want to do that. I've done a lot of trading in my rookie drafts. I've had, I think, six or seven so far. Obviously, my top pick is George Pickens, so I've been moving back a lot. But if Pickens is there, 
and I'm about as far as I can go back in a draft, and I'm choosing between George Pickens or Jamison Williams or George Pickens or Chris Olave, I'm going with my guy. I'm going with George Pickens because my model, the data set, is telling me that George Pickens is potentially the best wide receiver in this class. But let's get into that. So we talked about the model. The model has the top five potential ceiling, top 12 potential ceiling, top 24 potential ceiling. We have the new bust metric that I implemented this year, and we're going to see how sticky that is and see if down the road it really helps us eliminate these players. And I'm going to treat it this year as it is accurate because I haven't seen where it identifies a player as a bust and they weren't a bust. So I'm going to portray this new metric as accurate. And if I'm wrong, then I'm going to live with those results. But this year, I'm going to roll them and see what happens. So right now, the model thinks George Pickens is a top 12 wide receiver in this class. And I'm putting George Pickens as my top wide receiver in the class. And if you think that George Pickens has off-the-field concerns, that's fine. If you think because it was you know, an early 19-year-old who got in a fight with a defensive back or sprayed water on you know, a quarterback, if you think those are off-the-field issues, that's fine. If you dive in deeper and you, know, you think because perhaps he was drunk uh, one night or whatever it may be, I'm not sure what type of off-the-field concerns you may have, but I've watched a lot of film on George Pickens, a lot of interviews, and to me, he, he needs to mature a little bit, uh, but as far as being a mischievous, malicious player who doesn't love the game of football, who doesn't love his teammates, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. So right now, George Pickens is my number one wide receiver, and he did very good. As a true freshman, right, he came out, came in the SEC, 700 yards, led the team in receiving the COVID season. You know, they played, I think, eight games, and then he tore his ACL. A lot of people are saying if it wasn't for the ACL injury, he'd be the top wide receiver in this class. Injuries happen, right? In the NFL, injuries happen. Most players are going to tear their ACLs at this point in time. So the fact that Pickens has got one out of the way already, it just bodes well for the future. It just bodes well for the future. We're not saying that Olave's not going to get injured. Garrett Wilson's not going to get injured. Traylon Burks, they can all get injured. So I'm not going to knock George Pickens just because he tore his ACL his last year in college. Number two I have on my rankings is Traylon Burks. The model thinks that he's a top five wide receiver in this class. He's now taking over for A.J. Brown in Tennessee. I'm likely not going to put myself in position to draft him in leagues because I'm going to be trading back to add George Pickens. If for some reason, and I have, I have zero shares of Traylon Burks, because I'm always trying to get Pickens. So right now he's my number two wide receiver in this class, but I have zero shares of him. These are two separate tiers. I have George Pickens in a tier by himself. I have Traylon Burks tier two by himself. Tier three is Drake London. Prior to the draft, Drake London was the number seven wide receiver in my ranking. And the reason for that is he's a big bodied receiver and he's, you know, he's, he's a strong receiver, uh, great at the point of catch, I have some concerns about him as far as his quickness, his speed. He has some slow developing routes. He lacks separations on a lot of his routes. He needs to improve his pass blocking. There are some things that concern me about uh, Drake London, but the fact that he went number eight overall to Atlanta, 
He's going to have limited competition for targets. So he's really going to have to completely bust to not make it in the NFL. So I moved him up to number three based on opportunity, based on that draft capital. But I will have zero shares of Drake London in fantasy football. Number four, I have Garrett Wilson. The model thinks he's a potential top 12 wide receiver. You know, in the prior episode, I talked about had some red flags watching his film. Originally, I loved him. I think he's a great separator. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I'm a little scared a little bit about him than his situation with the Jets. And Zach Wilson should be there for the next few years. He's got competition with Elijah Moore. Now, Brees Hall. So... I'm not really sold on Garrett Wilson as I was prior to the draft, but he's still my number four wide receiver in this class. And again, if I traded back in drafts and I got down to 107, 108, 109, and for some reason Garrett Wilson's still on the board and I can't trade back anymore, I'm going to take George Pickens. I'm not just going to take Garrett Wilson just because consistency has Garrett Wilson higher. I don't have Garrett Wilson higher. So the way I look at it is consensus. If you don't have a process, then consensus makes sense to you. If you do have a process, then you're going to go by your own rankings. So consensus doesn't have any relevancy to you unless you're trying to find value, right? If I'm trying to trade back and George Pickens is consensus 112 and I'm picking at, you know, 101, 102. I'm clearly not going to take George Pickens at 101 or 102, right? I'm going to try to move back, add what I can, add 23 first, add 23 seconds. In fact, I've already done that in several leagues this year. One of my trades that I had uh, talked to the patrons about, I was picking at, I was on the clock at 107, okay? And I didn't want to take Pickens that early. This was one of my first rookie drafts far before I knew where his ADP really was. I figured he was around 112, 201. And early in the process, I think he was, but I think a lot of people are kind of getting on board with him now. So I traded the 107 for a 23 first round pick plus the 205. So I dropped back into the second round because I had a plan. Uh, I like some wider series that we can get in the second round. So I made that move and I, and I added a 23 first. Then as Pickens began to fall, you know, I wanted to get back in the first round and get my guy. You got to identify your guys, be aggressive to get them, but don't overvalue them and take them too early. So what I did was he was on the on the board at 112. I then traded the second, the two five that I got plus my second to move back into 112. And then I selected George Pickens. So essentially I recouped a 23 first and the guy that I wanted for two second round picks. That's how I value these wide receivers. So if you're looking at consensus, it makes sense to understand the ADP, but you don't necessarily have to draft them in that order. You know, if if I'm sitting at 102 and George Pickens is the best player on my board and nobody's going to trade with me, then I'm going to take George Pickens. I'm not going to just take, you know, whoever consensus thinks I should take and hope they pan out. That's typically what you do if you don't have a process. If you don't have a process, join us on Patreon. I'm trying to help show my strategy and how I've been doing it for so long 
and the other patrons in the in the discord they have their process and how they do things and they give advice and we bounce ideas off one another and it helps us all become better fantasy players so if you don't have a process find someone that you feel like has a good process try to learn as much as you can and consensus is really irrelevant for you unless you're just trying to determine adp in case you want to trade out number five on my wide receiver ranking is david bell and this is a, a great example of what i mean when you're trading out david bell the model projected david bell to have a top five potential top five fantasy season at some point in his career david bell was frowned on by many because of his poor athletic measurables however he's very comparable to cooper cup jarvis landry deandre hopkins all of which were very unathletic at their athletic testing before they went to the nfl david bell was a tremendous producer at college and i expect him to take on that jarvis landry role in in cleveland and potentially be a top wide receiver from this class but i'm not going to take david bell as the, the number five wide receiver in this class clearly Clearly, this is when you use the consensus rankings. David Bell is, you know, a mid-second round pick. That's exactly when you start trading back. If you know that the only player left on the board after George Pickens is gone is David Bell, you're trading all your picks to move back, recoup 2023 picks, 2023 first, 2023 second, stock yourself for next year when it's a stronger draft class, and still getting your guy in the second round. I'm not going to take a guy here that I don't love, like a Chris Olave or a Jahan Dotson, just because consensus and ADP is telling me that's who I should take. I know who my guys are, and that's who I'm targeting. Number six, I have Sky Moore. I think he's going in a great situation in Kansas City, had a great college career. There are concerns for me, though, due to the fact that he was at a small school. Kansas City did sign Justin Ross as an undrafted free agent. However you feel about that, the reason he did not get drafted is due to his health. If he comes back healthy, he could be making a run at that 53-man roster. And that could cut into Sky Moore's production. All right, now the next tier are top prospects, but they did hit the bus metric. And it's going to be a lot of your favorite wide receivers but this is a reason why I'm also taking George Pickens over some of these players because the model based on history thinks that these wide receivers could potentially bust. And number seven is Jamison Williams, right? Red flags around Jamison Williams. He went to Ohio State, could not see the field, transferred, went to Alabama. They had cleared their receiving core out, right? Devonta Smith went pro. Jalen Waddle went pro. The only one they had coming back was uh, John Mechie. You know, Jamison Williams had a great season. There are some red flags on tape. He does look good on tape, but there are some red flags and how does it translate to the next level? But as I mentioned in my last podcast, there are several wide receivers that were drafted early that everybody was so excited about, couldn't say anything bad about those wide receivers, and ultimately they turned out to be busts. One that I can think of is Corey Coleman, who went to Cleveland, a speedster, Similar college production as Jamison Williams ended up being a bust. And I named several in the last episode, but yes, they're being hyped now, but does it translate to the next level? Right now, my data set, my model says that Jamison Williams hits the bust metric. Whether we want to believe that or not, I am taking it as 
true this year, and I'm fading Jamison Williams in all my drafts. Next up, Chris Olave. Also, Chris Olave hit the bust metric in the model. Now, he came back his senior season. There were talk that the NFL wanted him to improve his play strength because he was taken down easily on first contact. That did not improve his senior year. However, this wide receiver class is so, so depleted that his stock rose. And the Saints, I'm not sure what the Saints are doing, but the Saints decided they wanted to spend uh, high draft capital on Chris Olave. But he hits the bus metric, so I am fading Chris Olave in drafts this year. Then is Jahan Dotson. Again, four years in college, had the COVID season. The, the data set, the model projects him to be a bust. Three busts out of the, the first few rookies drafted in the in the first round, Alave, Jamison Williams, and Jahan Dotson. And that would not surprise us because I think even the example I gave on my last episode, most of that first round wide receiver class were busts. The only one I think that was not a bust was Roddy White, um, who was drafted at the end of the first round, I think. I think he was one of the later receivers taken end up having the best career of all of them um, so you can't just go on hype and I'm glad that I have a process that kind of tells me it explains these things and who I should target because it gives me an unbiased opinion on what what I should do now if George Pickens would hit the bus metric I would not have continued to push him I would not have continued to push him as the number one wide receiver because I would have said you know what the model is telling me don't do it so I wouldn't be spending all my rookie picks on a player like that all right now tier five prospects that did not hit any metric in my model uh the model doesn't think they're gonna have a top 24 top 12 or top five fantasy season right so i'm not targeting any of these players um so if i'm up and they're on the board i'm not just gonna take them i'm either moving out or i'm gonna target a different position uh, of need so that's john mechie alec pierce danny gray jalen tolbert wandale robinson Tyquan Thornton and Bayless Jones. Now, history shows us that wide receivers typically need to be drafted in rounds one through one through three to have a good shot at having a good NFL career. We have seen some outside of the rounds rounds three, uh, but those are few and far between, and there's typically reasons why those players fall in drafts. Most wide receivers drafted outside of round three are typically for like special teams or depth. They're not really drafted to be star wide receivers. So if there was someone in this year's class that was drafted outside of round three and they hit, most of the time it's because something held them back in college and that's what allowed them to emerge at the NFL level. I tend to look at five-star high school athletes that went to college and either had some type of off-the-field issues, some type of injuries, transfer between schools several times, and those are usually who I, who I target, guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Stephon Diggs, um, some of these players, Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? Some of these players that fell in draft based on other circumstances. Do they always hit? No, um, but few and far between. And there are some that hit, but it's not every day that you can find them. So we don't have one of those every single season. So I don't have any right now that I've identified. If, if camp comes and there's some players that are really like showing out in camp that weren't drafted, I'll go back. I'll look at the model. If I don't have them in the model, I'll start putting their their production in there and i'll see what the model thinks and then maybe we can get them ahead of the curve on uh on free agency and fab and 
and all that good stuff. But right now, as far as the NFL draft, the only one I'm really looking at is Justin Ross. That was an undrafted free agent. I mean, there's a few others that are intriguing, but again, they're just, you know, athletes that, that didn't really have um, great college careers um, and they played their full their full run of games. So we'll keep our eye on, on rookie camps and training camps and, and put our ear to the ground and listen to see if we can find any any talk of receivers that could break out. All right, going into running backs, clearly Brees Hall is the only running back in this class that I feel like you should fight for. Uh, be aggressive. Trade up to that 101 to get him. He has star potential, top 10 dynasty running back potential. But if you are 102 in drafts, I would stick with Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker has an opportunity to be a special running back in the NFL. Again, a lot of people are fading him because of the lack of reception production in college. But I'm not going to hold that against him. We saw A.J. Dillon last year uh, have 34 receptions in Green Bay. His entire college career, he only caught 21 passes. Right? That's two more than what Kenneth Walker did in three years of college as well. So if they're good runners at the NFL level, the passes are going to find them. I think Kenneth Walker is a good runner. If he's as fast as the combine, that 4-3-8, Seattle's going to find ways to get him the football. And it might not be year one, but I think in year two, you might see Kenneth Walker break out. So if I have the 102 and Brees Hall is gone, I'm going Kenneth Walker. In the same tier, so Brees Hall is in a tier by himself, tier one. Tier two, I have Kenneth Walker, and then after him is Rashad White. Rashad White in the model thinks that he is a top five potential running back at the NFL. He he comes very similar to Alvin Kamara. You know, Alvin Kamara played the one year, well, he was in Alabama, then he transferred to Tennessee, played, I think, two years at Tennessee. Rashad White uh, played a year at a community college, transferred. Actually, I think he had a year and a half at community college, transferred to Arizona State two years, really, really dominated the market share for his team reception wise rushing wise touchdown wise really just dominated uh for his team and he's going to a good situation in tampa i think that uh he's going to be very sneaky he's definitely going to be a player that i want to target in redrafts because lenny's not very durable geo was injured last year Keyshawn vaughn is dust if rashad weiss gets an opportunity in 2022 he could take over that starting role he is an older back, so it's not like he's young. He's really good at pass protection. He can play every facet of the game. He can be a three-down back. I'm taking a shot at him in rookie drafts for sure as my running back three. And I'll even take him late in redraft as long as his value's there. As long as all the running backs are healthy. Clearly, if camp starts and some of the Buccaneer running backs go down, White's going to get hyped and pushed up draft boards. So I'm hoping to get him before camp starts and a lot of injuries take place. Next tier, tier three, is James Cook. Uh, I think James Cook landed in a great spot. Again, he has that lack of college rushing production, but he has the receiving profile. He's going to come in and be a faster, more explosive version of Devin Singletary. It'll be interesting to see how that works out if they start giving the ball right away or they allow Devin Singletary to be the man and have James Cook earn his way into that role. But after those four, four backs... There's really only one back that I really want, and then the rest are kind of dart throws. And he's the top of my tier four, and that's Zamir White. Uh, Zamir White tore both ACLs before he even got going, uh, but at the combine, I think he ran a 4.47. 
very good back also has a lack of receiving production and i think that has to do with the fact that he played college ball with james cook and they utilize James Cook as a receiving back. There's no reason to put Zamir White in there and try to get cute when, when James Cook can take care of everything. So he also has a lack of receiving production. But th there's an explanation for that potentially, depending on how you want to look at it. And again, he's going to be a dart throw. He's going to be a late second, early third, mid-third round pick in your rookie drafts. And I'm happy taking him there. Uh, the Raiders declined the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. So there's a good chance if Samir White, you know, shows some potential, he could be battling out for a starting role next year as long as um, the Vegas isn't in potential to take one of the bell cows next year. Now, they could take one of the bell cows next year in the second round, but Zamir White is a dart throw. I like it. I'm not going to take him too early, but I do like it if, if I'm at a pick and there's not very many people to choose from. After him is Pierre Strong. After him is Tyler Beatty. The model also liked Tyler Beatty. Uh, you know, he sat behind, uh, I think, Larry Roundtree uh, for two years, which, you know, that's kind of questionable. But when he had the backfield to himself last year, he really dominated. Uh, I think he's a receiving weapon, not just a receiving back, but a weapon. And he's going to Baltimore. So if J.K. doesn't recover fully, Tyler Beatty could sneak up on some of that potential playing time there. So keep your eye on Tyler Beatty. Maybe a last round dart throw if you're looking for running back dart throws. Keep your eye on Tyler Beatty. Tier 5, Brian Robinson drafted to Washington. Antonio Gibson's there. JD McKissick's there. He doesn't score very well in the model. His film doesn't look exciting. But Alabama backs find way to retain fantasy football value. All of the Alabama backs retain value since Nick Saban has been in Alabama as far back as Trent Richardson, um, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs. You had Bo Scarborough who didn't really retain value. TJ Yeldon retained value for a few years. Uh, Kenyon Drake. So I just believe that Brian Robinson will retain value. I think he's going to have some type of role unless he completely bombs like Bo Scarborough, which he could. But if he doesn't, he's going to retain some value. So I wouldn't mind throwing a dart throw at him late in drafts. Then Hassan Haskins, Isaiah Spiller, Kevin Harris, Ty Chandler round out that top, that tier five. Tier six, we have Damian Pierce. A lot of people are on Damian Pierce, and I don't understand why. Typically, if you don't produce in college, why do we think all of a sudden you're going to produce in the NFL? You know, and the excuse for him is, well, they didn't give him a chance at Florida. Well, why not? Why not? If he's good enough to be an NFL back, then he should be good enough to be a college back at the University of Florida. So I'm not buying that. Will he be a situational running back? Yeah. Will he have a few good games? Probably. But he's not someone I'm targeting that I'm going to rely on as like an RB3 on my roster. He's probably a cut candidate in three years. So why waste our draft pick on him now? I do think Houston will potentially add a back after camp cuts similar like they've been in the last few years right they added david johnson they added phil Lindsay, they added um mark ingram you know i don't think they're going to go into the the season with marlon mack and damian pierce as their starting running backs you know they're actually putting together quite a good squad so i think there's going to be maybe a surprise cut or a trade you'll see houston add a back 
So let's keep our eye on some players that, that might be on the roster bubble come camp. Because if they are released, I think maybe Houston might target them. So keep your eye on that. After Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier. Now, Tyler Algier is, is, is coming into a great opportunity in Atlanta. They just released Mike Davis. He's competing with Cordero Patterson. However, again, these are just average players, right? We don't want to spend too much draft capital on opportunity, right? It, bought, it bit you in the ass if you try to get Darwin Thompson because he went to Kansas City with no competition. It bit you in the ass if you tried to draft... You know, Michael Carter at New York because he didn't have any competition. It's going to bite you in the ass if you try to draft Damian Pierce and then Tyler Algier just because there's no opportunity. Unless it's a late pick, right? Don't use high draft capital on these guys. I wouldn't even use a second. I would rather trade my second and get out of the second round and try to add a 2023 pick than to take a flyer on a Damian Pierce or Tyler Algier. I just, I just don't see it. I'd rather take my chances roll my picks into next year where it's a stronger class perhaps stronger players fall because the strat the class is so strong that our seconds next year are going to be like first this year then it's Keontae ingram kyron williams tyler goodson and jerry on ely all right cheers to that let's go to quarterbacks real quick now before the nfl draft the hype was on malik willis and I was supporting that. I mean, the thought was, if it's going to take him some time to read defenses, if it's going to take some time to get acclimated to the NFL, at least he's going to have his legs, right? But ultimately, what I think what happened is teams saw him as the same type of player as Jalen Hurts, which is fine. Jalen Hurts uses his legs a lot. He has trouble reading defenses. He's a great fantasy player, and they're giving him – you know the pieces to see if he is successful but he was also a second round pick and i don't know if teams wanted to invest if teams could invest a first round pick on jalen hurts i don't think they would do it because i don't really think the eagles are sold on him yet uh just like i don't think the nfl is sold on malik willis he ended up falling to round three and if you look at the landscape of the nfl 75 percent of the current starting quarterbacks were all first round draft picks the rest are, you know, completely outliers. You know, Russell Wilson was drafted around four. Drew Locke was drafted later, and he's probably a temporary starter right now. Kirk Cousins was drafted around four, I believe. You know, then you got some other guys. I think there's like four or five guys. The rest of the NFL are all first-round picks. Even if you're drafting the first round and you don't pan out your first team, look at Mitch Trubisky. Look at Sam Darnold. Hell, look at Josh Rosen bounce from around six different teams. These players will get second opportunities somewhere unless they're just complete busts. So for that reason, I've moved Kenny Pickett up to my number one quarterback in this class only because of that first round draft capital. And I think the fact that the Steelers have really such a good front office, a good coaching staff, a lot of structure. I think he's going to be in a good situation to succeed. Will he be a star at the NFL level? I don't know, but I think due to his draft capital, Pittsburgh is going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And if he doesn't, he's going to get another chance at another team. So what that means is this pick that you take is going to hold value for several years, and you should be able to unload it at some point in time if you're not happy with the pick. A lot of these other picks are not going to re retain value, right? People are going to make 
decisions on them really quick in their careers, whether they're bust or whether they're going to make it. Typically, if you think they're going to make it, you're not going to trade them. Typically, if the people think they're going to be bust, you're not going to be able to sell them. So I do like Kenny Pickett as the number one quarterback in this class. And probably I would treat most drafts super flex. I wouldn't have him as high. Two quarterback leagues, he's got to be a top five pick in my opinion. Only because, like I said, he retains the value. In two quarterback leagues, you have to start two quarterbacks. So his value is going to be much stronger than it is in just a regular super flex league. My second quarterback is Malik Willis. Now, again, if we're talking about this year's class compared to last year's class, Kenny Pickett is number six quarterback, right? You have Trevor Lawrence, one, Justin Fields, two, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, however you want to do it, three, four, Mac Jones, five, Kenny Pickett, number six. I think really Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones, probably they both came out as prospects and they were both first round picks. One went to New England, one went to Pittsburgh. I think it'd be a coin flip. So I think Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones are probably battling out for the fifth spot if you combine these two quarterback classes. I'm not out on Kenny Pickett. I was. Shout out to Dan and Chris. I was on the Beer Fuel podcast and I was like, no, Kenny Pickett's not going to do it. If he hadn't had a COVID season, he would have even not even been drafted. Um, but they were high on Kenny Pickett, and here he is, first quarterback off the board, and I've moved him up to my number one quarterback class. So cheers to you, fellas. Appreciate you having me on the podcast. Next up is Malik Willis. And again, Malik Willis was my number one quarterback. Now he's dropped on number two again because of his legs. He could find himself in a Jalen Hurts situation where Ryan Tannehill goes down or they end up trading Ryan Tannehill somewhere. They let Malik Willis start for a year or two and say, all right, we're going to build around you. Let's see what you can do. So for that reason, I have number two right now. Then it's Matt Corral. So basically, I just moved everyone down, and I jumped. Kenny Pickett jumped everybody because prior to the draft, I had Malik Willis number one. I had Matt Corral number two. Um, I think I had Sam Howell number three. Uh, Kenny Pickett number four. And then I think I had Desmond Ritter. So right now, Matt Corral's number three. Again, there's a lot of... You know, red flags around his situation and what he's going to bring. He's going to Carolina. He's a young, athletic, strong-arm quarterback. I don't think he's going to give Sam Darnold a run uh, this year unless they make a trade and get Darnold out of there. But he could potentially see the field in his second year. And then Sam Howell, number four. Desmond Ritter, number five. And again, I'm really avoiding these quarterbacks except for Pickett due to his draft capital. If you're in Superflex and you want to take dart throws, you know, in round three, um, I would probably start doing that. If you want to take Malik Willis in round two, I wouldn't fault that. But the only time I do that is, is if all my players that I really want are off the board. And I identify, I go through all these rankings. Just because these are my rankings doesn't mean these are all the players that I want. Out of these, you know, 30 or so players, I really want like six guys. If I don't get those six guys, I'm trading out of my pick. I'm trying to add more picks for next year. So I, I, I kind of let the patrons know who my guys are. They have their guys. They combine that, and then they develop a blueprint for how they want to draft. All right, tight ends again. Tight ends is pretty easy this year. Uh, I have Trey McBride number one. Uh, I think most people do. But a shocker here, I have Jeremy Ruckert number two in my rankings. Jeremy Ruckert reminds me of a... George Kittle type player. I don't know if he has that killer instinct that George Kittle has, but he has the size, 
the athleticism. He didn't perform at the NFL Combine due to an injury, but coming out of high school, he had a higher vertical jump than George Kittle. Uh, his 40 coming out of high school, I think, was a 4.8. Obviously, you, they've gained speed going to college, so I would imagine he's probably down to a you know, 4.6, something like that. That's not as fast as George Kittle. Um, but I think that he's going to be in a position to be successful if he sees the field. So I'm taking dart throws on him in like the round four. Tight end premium, probably round three. Non-tight end premiums, dart throw round four. Or I add him in one league after the draft for zero fab dollars um, before he gets any type of hype. After him, I have Greg, Greg Dolchich, Angelani Woods. I think both of them are projects. Uh, tier four, I have James Mitchell from Virginia Tech and Charlie Kohler. Now, there could be more tight ends, um, but these are kind of the ones that I identified. And I'll, I'll keep my eye on camp if I start seeing some buzz about some of these tight ends and we'll look at them. I don't really have a tight end model, but I'm going to work on that uh, and see if I can identify, you know, easily identify, you know, tight ends every single season. All right. Well, that's it. That is it. That's a quick... Well, it looks like it's probably 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Quick podcast. I appreciate you coming by. Uh, sorry I was stuttering a little bit, but uh, wanted to get these rankings out to you. Hopefully you enjoy them. Drink up what you got. I'm going to go ahead and finish this Jack Daniels tenure. Good luck in your fantasy drafts. Good luck in your rookie drafts. If you have any questions, find me on Twitter at Roto Lounge. Also, check out the YouTube videos. Find me on Patreon. And shout out to all my Patreon fan, Bourbon Club. Love the bourbon brothers and sisters. Shout out to you all. Cheers, and I'll talk to you next time.